Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's broadcast. You know, every week you get to go to church with people all over the world. You know, I think about, I think about our whole concept about church. And, and just, just stop and think about it. The whole, even the phrasing, I'm going to go to church, is technically not correct. We can go be with the church. We can go worship together with the church. But going to church kind of gives us this idea that the church is a building, it's a specific location, but you know something, you're the church. We are the body of Christ. And, and church is uh, where we are as individuals, but church is also where we are, where we're coming together as a group of people around the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know something, every single week I talk to you about having a life at its best because that's what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us abundant life, life to its fullest. And, and that happens, the Bible says, by knowing God, knowing, and that's talking about experience knowledge, experiencing God through the Lord Jesus. There's not another way. You can know all about God, but if you're not experiencing God through Jesus, you just got information. You're not really experiencing the life of God. The life of God only comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and his revelation of the Father. Now, we've been talking about miraculous probabilities. Man, I love this subject. You know, this is the most non-mystical teaching that you'll probably ever get about how to move and live and function in the miraculous. And man, that's where I want to get you to. I want to get you to the place where the miraculous isn't something far out. It's not something goofy. It's not something spooky. It's not something that's only available for the ultra anointed and all that kind of stuff. And I want to bring you to a place where you understand who God is and understand how to bring about the life and the power of God in planet earth. And, and you know what? And that's where we're going. So today we're going to be talking about faith or formula. Now, God has revealed himself to mankind over and over and over and over. But the problem is, man has always resisted the testimony that God himself gave about who he is, about his character, about his will for man, what, what he wants for us. You know, one of the most important questions uh, in, in all of the Bible, and this is, this is one of those questions that, that, you know what, if you don't answer this question uh, uh, very, very deliberately, very consciously, then the truth is you'll probably have to turn my phone off. You'll probably always be a little bit confused. Isaiah you know, 52 tells us about the whole problem that the world is facing and how that the world continually blasphemes God. They blame God for everything because of what the leaders have taught them, how the leaders have, instead of setting them free and leading them into freedom, they've led them into captivity and religious bondage. And then in Isaiah 53, he shows us what Jesus did at the cross. And then, of course, in Isaiah 54, he tells us about the new covenant that he is establishing through the work of Jesus. And it's called the covenant of peace, which is a phenomenal thing because I, I have never met 
really, I, I, I've never met over one or two people in, in the whole world that if you said, okay, so what did God call the new covenant? They'll say, well, it called the new covenant. No, he called it the covenant of peace. This is the covenant where God made peace with the world through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got news for you. Peace is more than just uh, the absence of conflict. And, and we won't even have time to go on that today or it's so good. It'd take me so long that I'd get so far off track. But in Isaiah 53, when God tells us what Jesus did for us so that we could have peace with God, so we could be free from the religious oppression and have, uh, have the life of God, the quality of life that God gave the Lord Jesus and enter into this covenant, he asked this question, Isaiah 53, 1, he said, uh, who has believed our report? And so, so God says, now I'm giving you a report about what I'm doing for you. And you have all these other religious reports out there. And the question is, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God is saying? Are you going to believe what I'm saying? Are you going to believe what a preacher says? Are you going to believe what your mama says? Are you going to believe what your daddy says? Are you going to believe what your best friend says? Are you going to believe what, your, what floats through your mind? Who are you going to believe? Well, it's really interesting when you stop and think about it. God has continuously revealed himself to mankind over and over and through many different dimensions. Some think, you know, God revealed himself to Adam and gave Adam a perfect life. You know, I always think about this, that Adam's first day in creation was a day of rest. It wasn't a day of labor. It wasn't a day of going out and accomplishing something. It was a day of resting, communing with, and hanging out with God. That was it. And, uh, uh, God let Adam know you're created in my likeness and image. And so now when the serpent comes along in the garden, the serpent says, says, uh, you know, if you'll just eat of this tree, then you will be like God. So indirectly, implicitly implying that God was not honest. So, so Adam began to stew on it. You know, the, the serpent never said God was lying. Adam concocted that in his own mind based on, the seductive, deceitful question that that was put forth to him, or the or the statement that was put forth to him, but at some point Adam said, "You know what? I'm going to believe what I think, and what I think is God's holding out on me. God's God's not as good as He presents Himself to be." And so Adam decided he would be God of his own world, and and so there's where all the trouble started, you know. And then you go for it, God through creation. Now, here's, I, I can't go into all this. I'll touch on this a little bit last week, but you've got to understand something. Creation testifies to who God is, and creation helps us understand exactly how, con, how congruent, how consistent, how wise, how loving God is. And, and you know, one, of the, one of the things that, that atheistic science fights against is the whole idea of there's something being something unique about planet earth. Well, I got news for you. Planet earth, everything in the universe, it creates a harmony of energetics that makes planet earth the, the one and only place where the human race can live. Our bodies interact with planet earth and all the energies that of the universe that affect planet earth. And so, uh, we could look at creation if uh, if we would stop taking the world's 
account of creation, the false science account of creation, and we can understand a lot about God. In the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt, God called them out, and, and, you know, and God was freeing them from slavery. God, God did all kinds of things to show them that they didn't have to trust in the gods of Egypt and that they could trust him, and, and he revealed himself uh, to the children of Israel over and over and over and let them know that he wasn't going to be their master. He was going to be their father. And, and instead of, of trusting God's account that you want to be my father, is like, no, we're, we're going to keep looking back to the gods of Egypt, and we are going to understand you and pigeonhole you to be like the gods of Egypt. That's how we're going to relate to you. We're not going to get close to you. We, you remember when they had the chance to go up and meet with God face to face along with Moses? They said, you, you go. We, we don't want to go up there. See, they had that slave mentality that God is just a cruel master. Why? Because that's what the gods in Egypt were. And we don't want to go up there. You just go up there and find out what we got to do to, to, to keep him from killing us and to get him to take care of us. And so, again, they didn't take God's report. Now, you go to the commandments. And, and I know that today people have such a negative view of the commandments only because they don't believe God. And the commandments are all about how to treat people. Don't steal from somebody else. Don't lie. This wasn't about earning righteousness. This was about walking in love. This was about treating other people the way that you want it to be treated. And ultimately, whenever uh, Moses expanded on the commandments about how to apply them in a real-life setting, he let the people know, look, the one basis for interpreting and understanding all the commandments revolve around love the Lord God, have value for God, Love your neighbors yourself. So have value for people and have value for yourself. And so you should always be applying these things. Moses was saying from the perspective of love, which is all about the value that God has. Did we take God's word on that? No, turned it into a bunch of legalistic uh, death. And then God said, okay, I'm going to give you all my covenant names. I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm the Lord God that sees. I'm, re I'm there ready to meet the need anytime you're in trouble. I am a, a Jehovah Shalom. I'm the Lord God. I am your peace. All of these names of God said, now this is who I am. So don't, don't ever translate interpret or try to apply the word in a way that's incongruent with my names. Because if you do, you're taking my name in vain. You know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, it says, I exalt it above all things, my name and my word. And, and, and God's word and God's name are completely congruent. And if we inter interpret it God's word, everything that he ever said through his names, we could never come up with this, the idea of him being a murderer, of him making us sick and dragging us through pain and dragging us through suffering to teach us because that's totally incongruent with his names. And you know, I'm jumping over a lot of other little places where, where, where God revealed himself. But here's the biggest one. God ultimately and fully and completely revealed himself through the life, the teaching, the ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. You don't, you know, you don't go to the Old Testament to try to fully interpret or understand who Jesus is. You don't go to the writings of Paul to try to understand who Jesus is. No, you go to who Jesus is and what he taught and what he did to interpret the Old Testament and to interpret uh, the writings of Paul and Peter and, and the other apostles. And so, but you know, how many people 
embrace theological positions that contradict what Jesus taught, that contradict Jesus' ministry, that contradict what Jesus accomplished his death, burial, and resurrection, which means they may speak the name of Jesus with their lips, but in their heart they are taking his name in vain because uh, it is vain to call on the name of the Lord Jesus but not follow him as Lord, to not follow his teaching, to not apply his teaching, his teaching to our life. So faith starts out, and you know the word faith just really means trust. I'm telling you, we have turned the word faith into some something that is so convoluted and twisted and difficult and, and so far removed from the simplicity of what it means that that uh, we've really made the message of faith almost almost as destructive as as the legalism that many people have have turned the Old Testament into, because faith is about trust. So here here's the deal, you know, I, I look at faith as having a couple of phases or a couple of levels, if you will. But faith starts out by trusting God's testimony of himself. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans. I think it was about the second chapter. He says, look, let God be true and every man a liar. And what he's saying is, you know, if either what God has said is true or he's a liar, one or the other. And you've got to decide which way it is. Because any time we replace any concept of God with some religious idea or our own opinion, then we are calling God a liar. And I know that's not what we intend to do, but that's absolutely what we do. So the first phase of faith is relational. If I believe God is good and only good, if I believe that all the covenant names of God show, tell me exactly what God has for me, what God has promised me. And if I believe what Jesus modeled and then believe through his death, burial, and resurrection, that all of that becomes mine, then, then, God becomes somebody I can trust. God becomes the person I can, the being I can commit my life to without, without wavering, without being afraid. Now, the second phase of faith is this. If I believe that I am creating the likeness and the image of God, and if I believe I have the, I have the freedom, the responsibility, and the privilege to exercise authority here on planet Earth, now I'm getting into where what I believe about God, what I trust about God, where I express that and use faith in planet Earth. I use my authority to rule and reign in planet Earth, not to rule over people, but to establish the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. You know, Jesus came and made all of the kingdom promises ours. We are called to establish the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. But we're asking God to do that. Go read Psalm 82 where it talks about who we are, what we can do, how we should be the ones establishing God's rule here on earth, that we should rule and reign in justice. And, and I'm telling you, it, it brings on a whole new dimension. Almost everything that we pray about, almost everything that we ask God to do, uh, almost all of our pursuits of the supernatural basically boil down to the fact that we don't trust who God really is. We think we got to talk him into doing good things for us. We don't really trust who we are and the authority that he's given us. So we got to talk. We were trying to get him to do the things that he said we should do, that we have the responsibility to do. So, so 
when we want to operate in what we call the miraculous, and this is where we are operating in faith to, to, to rule and reign in this realm and to establish the righteousness of God here in planet Earth, uh, this is, I guess this is what we would think of as the miraculous. Now, we've talked about this briefly. Most people think that the miraculous is when God violates the natural laws of physics that exist in this realm. Well, that is not the case. Um, uh, the, what we call the miraculous is when there are laws that are greater than our current understanding and that we can actually harmonize with those and put those into practice and bring about what we call the miraculous. Now stop and think about it. At the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis, wicked men discovered how the laws of the universe work to such a degree that God had to confound their languages and break up the harmony of, of synergistic knowledge that they have, because otherwise nothing could be withheld from them. Now, if, if wicked people can move into something, and see, the problem is when wicked people move into the supernatural, people immediately say, oh, that's, that's demonic. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're just operating in the laws of creation uh, as a way to be avoid God, as a way to disobey God, as a way to leave God out of the process. But they're still using the laws that God brought into existence. It's a sad thing when you find occult, cult, new age, and, and, and different kind of corrupt religious systems out there that believe more of the principles of God than the church does. And, and, and they operate, they use God's laws and they say, see, you don't need God because I, we can show you how to do this. And that's been going on for thousands of years. And then you've got the church over here saying, we don't believe how God created the universe and we don't believe these laws exist so we're going to be begging god over here to do these things that we not only can do should do but through the holy spirit working in our heart we can have the confidence to so that's the one thing that we have that we have the holy spirit showing us how to use god's laws uh and miraculous capabilities or what we call miraculous capabilities for, for life and to, and to, and, and we, it endears us to God because we recognize that all of these, this is how God created the universe so that we could live life to its fullest and not have to always be begging him to do something that in fact, he's already made the, given us the potential to do. That's something you got to understand. All possibility, all possible outcomes already exist in potential. And what moves us from possibility to probability is it's possible because God has made it so. It's probable when we start realizing that the way God created us and how we can interact with God's creation, but it moves to a certainty. When we see it in the word of God and the Holy Spirit is ministering to us and showing us how and giving us the confidence to move in these things. Now, we struggle in the religious communities, and God, I'll tell you something, God hates religion. 
religion is not a life of faith. Religion is a life of formulas and ceremonies. And, and, and so we either relate to God on the basis of faith or we relate to God on the basis of religion. And religion can, I mean, it can come about all kinds of corrupt ways. But I want you to understand something. Faith is a law. It's not a formula. Formulas are like incantations. They are used to bring about results in a magical manner. For example, millions of Christians the world over believe that if you tack the name of Jesus on at the end of a prayer, it should force God to have to do what you ask him to do. That's an incantation. Many people think if you pray a certain kind of prayer a certain way, uh, then that, that's a formula, and a formula is basically an incantation. And so, so the majority of what people try to do to move in the miraculous is based on ignorance and unbelief about who God is and how God created the universe and how God created you, and trying to trying to operate these formulas to make things magically happen, independent of any real personal trust for God or any real personal trust in his word or who he says we are. Let me just say this real quick, like I won't take but just a couple of seconds here. You know, I am giving you everything I can give you. Man, I, I've turned this into a long series. I hope you've really been enjoying it. But I want you to understand there are things in this series, Miraculous Probabilities, that go beyond what I'm sharing with you here every single week and i want you i want you to get the series and i want you to take what i'm sharing with you here and these cyber church broadcasts i want you to have this plus what's in the series if you're seeking to to develop your heart and your life as a disciple of the lord jesus and you're wanting to go just beyond some some uh external knowledge so that's available go to my website impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com go to our store and you can download this matter of fact when you go to the home page this will probably be showing up on the slider and you just click on it you can download it and you can be diving into uh incredible wealth of god's word in just a matter of minutes uh if you if you download it now so formulas are like incantations and so when using a formula the faith is not in God. The faith is in the formula. And th this is what secret societies are all about. Secret knowledge, secret information, secret formulas. But see, laws, and people think anytime you say the word law, oh, man, you're talking about legalism. No, there's a difference between law and legalism. A law is, is the certainty of a fixed reality. See, if we believe God's report of creation, God's report of the universe, God's uh, uh, definition of man's role in the universe, then we can uh, th these we start recognizing these laws, and by looking at how God created the world, the way He used faith to create the world, which was to conceive something in His heart, and then and and to experience this end from the beginning and once once he had conceived it and experienced it in his heart he spoke it out with intention now every time god would speak something out and it would then he would say god saw that it was good anytime you see the word good especially in the hebrew language i think it's pretty much all the way throughout the bible but especially in the hebrew language when you see the word good um you could insert the word that it was harmonious 
Now, that's not the only meaning. It means it was good, it was pleasant, it was desirable. But it also means that it was in harmony. In harmony with what? In harmony with God's will for man. In harmony with God's intention. In harmony with what he created in his heart. So God created a world that was in harmony with his will, his intention for man. And it was a perfect world until man chose to make it a world that would be in his image. Because just like God creates the world in his own image, we create a world in harmony with our image, our, with our fears, with our opinions, with our unbelief, with our, uh, with our selfish desires. And uh, something we have to understand, you learned this last week when we talked about the fact that observation is creation. We have to be assured that whether by choice or by default, we are constantly creating what the world is becoming. So a law works through factors that are absolute, but that doesn't mean the outcome is 100% absolute. And we're going, to get into, we're going to get into reconciling the variabilities. We're going to get into moving from, uh, from uh, something being probable to something being certain next week. So <clears throat> Let me, let me encourage you, check out our website. We've got all kinds of free uh, cyber church series on there. Uh, actually, over 200 that you can go there free that can help you work through just about any kind of situation you've got. And you can help us reach all over the world. We're raising up a billion disciples. I'd encourage you to check out our World Changer program and consider becoming a part of helping us reach and raise up a billion disciples unto the Lord Jesus Christ. But for now, I want you to get along with God in prayer. And I want you to make a determination that from this point forward, you will only accept God's testimony of himself, the testimony that he gave. And you know, the, the, the two clear places, you, you know, you can get confused about creation. There's a lot, a lot of things you get confused about, but you know what? You can't get confused about his names. If you know the covenant names of God, then the real truth is all you, all you can say is, okay, if God is Jehovah who heals, then he can't be Jehovah who makes me sick. If God is Jehovah my peace, then he can't be Jehovah who gives me trouble. If God is Jehovah my provider, then he can't be Jehovah who makes me have lack and, and makes me have needs. If God is, is the Lord my shepherd, he will always lead me into life and health and, and all of the good things of the kingdom. He'll never lead me in, through pain and suffering and that sort of thing. In other words, I can't believe anything about God that's contrary to the names of God. And then secondly, if I look at the life of Jesus, listen, go back and start reading the Gospels. And, every, you know, because if Jesus never made anybody sick, now he corrected a few people, and sometimes their response to his correction was not real nice, but uh, he never made anybody sick. So that means that I can't say that God's making people sick because Jesus never made anybody sick. He never made anybody broke. So I can't say that Jesus make, I mean, God makes somebody broke because Jesus never. In other words, if, if, if Jesus showed us exactly what God looks like, exactly how God functions and how he wants to function in our life. So go back and, and just reclaim your confidence in God's testimony of exactly who he is. And let me tell you something. 
share these messages with people. Bring people to, to hear these. Sit down with people. Go through these with them. Because I got news for you. Most of the Christian world believes that God is unreliable, that God is unpredictable, that you can't really know him. You can't really know who he is. And I'm going to tell you something. We want the world to see God as he is because in Isaiah 52, God says, a day will come when people see me as I am. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's this day. And he says, when they see that, they're going to go forth uh, uh, proclaiming the gospel of peace. And that's what we're talking to you about. We're talking to you about the peace that God made between himself and mankind. The peace that says, I'll never hurt you. I'll never fail you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Listen, I'll be back next week. Be sure and join me. You're going to love it. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.